Welcome to Awaken Church Online. Today we continue our study of Ephesians with Deacon Mike Burdick talking about God's grace. Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, I am Michael. You may call me Mike. If you are anything like me and you have trouble remembering names, I also answer to hey you. I do have a few jobs and functions I try to help with the church out at. I am part of the deacon team. I'm also uh, in the arduous task of helping Dean keep the bricks and the sticks upright in this building as we try to facilitate maintenance. And I recently have been very, very just amazed at what God's doing in the men of this church and the ability to get together with them in our men's group uh, every couple weeks. So it's just been amazing to be part of this church. If you do know me, you're welcome. <laughs> just going to go there. So good morning again. And let me let me start. Our, our little journey today by asking, we got any believers in the room? Any believers in the room? All right, all right, all right. This is good. Because though I believe this message has a lot for those of you that may not have met Jesus, the primary target is actually for the believer first. Okay? So if you don't know Jesus, hang in there. But when, when Paul wrote Ephesians, he wrote a letter to believers, for believers, in a means to make sure that they were properly equipped to reach those who are in desperate need of still hearing the gospel. So there's a little bit for everybody. But if you're a believer, you can't leave early. Today we are going to look at what Paul talks about in the first part of Ephesians 2 and actually kind of a common theme throughout Ephesians, which is grace. And as I was accused of jumping on and taking the easy passage of Ephesians, <laughs> I actually learned that, that it's, it's a much deeper, deeper message than just the simple song that we sing or we used to sing when we called grace amazing. Just doesn't seem to give it the right justice. To truly appreciate the depths of God's grace, the first thing we have to embrace and the first thing we have to realize is that we are designed by God to see ourselves through His eyes, not our own. And it's that insight that we use as a means to pass on His grace to others in desperate need of experiencing it. His grace is a gift. It's only a gift. It's nothing more than a gift. But it's a gift that He is the only one that can provide. And the interesting thing is, is His grace was never designed for us to understand in this brief moment in time we call our life. And we're going to talk about that today. But if you're willing, we're going to go just a tiny bit deeper 
Because as we walk through and embrace this, this amazing, wonderful thing called God's grace, you're going to learn that as believers, you and I are being set up. That's right. You and I are actually, because of God's grace, being set up. And if you look a little closer to it, you're going to find out that God's, our Father, is actually the mastermind behind the setup. He's the one that's putting things into play to put us in a position to be set up because of His grace and for His grace. But the beautiful thing is, is because He's doing that and because it's His grace behind it, it really truly is the perfect setup. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this time that we can come together and learn from Your Word just to soak in and embrace what it means to appreciate, understand, and fall into Your grace. We thank You for this, this church family, for those that are also watching online. And Lord, we just ask that Your Word come alive and resonate in each heart as You have it designed to do. Lord, I just ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So, to get into this, we're going to do a little background here. We're going to back up just a hair. Kind of, kind of take a little detour. I'm curious if anybody here has ever once in their life ever had a job where they've actually had to work for somebody else. Anybody? Alright, can we praise God that you might still have a job? Okay. Like me, I have always chosen throughout my whole adult life to work for somebody else. Okay? So, if you have had that privilege, then like me, have you ever had that opportunity where you felt like you were set up to fail? Where you were given a task, but not all the information? Given responsibilities, but not all the tools? to get the job done, and if you're anything like me, not only you failed, but for some reason it was my fault. Okay? It's set up. I failed. I, I met the objective, which was failure, yet it was always my fault. I didn't get that. I understand. See, as believers, we have responsibilities. That's what the letter to Ephesians is all about. It's, it's about us understanding our responsibilities. And I know that this is a simplistic way to look at Scripture, but when we look to the Bible, when we look to God's Word, to make sure that we have the proper instruction and the proper tools and the proper insights so that we don't fail on our missions, we can actually very simplistically see verses usually fall into one of three categories. Or, sometimes, all three. It either tells us what to do, tells us how to get the job done, or more importantly, the why. So we're going to walk through Ephesians and properly talk about grace. We actually have to start in First Peter. I'm only going to give you one verse. 
but it's 1 Peter 4.10, and it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as stewards, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this is a very interesting passage because it does tell us what we need to be doing as believers. We need to be stewarding this thing called the grace of God, this manifold grace of God. And it tells us the how. We use our talents, we use our giftings so that we can, in fact, steward His grace. But the one thing about 1 Peter 4.10 is it doesn't really go into the why. It doesn't really dive in there too much to explain it. And so to explain it, we certainly want to look to Ephesians in the first 10 verses of chapter 2. To do that, let's just also cover a little bit of groundwork, make sure we're all working off of the same definitions. Number one, we all understand that, or maybe you've heard of, grace is this unmerited favor of God towards men, correct? It's just this overwhelming opinion that God thinks you're pretty cool. Okay? And I'm okay with that if that's the definition that you want to operate off of. But today, I want us to push a little deeper into that definition. I want us to look at Strong's definition of grace, which is especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Let's look at that again. God's grace is defined in this, in this realm as especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. In other words, God's grace is so overwhelming. His fondness and love for you is so overwhelming that as we receive it, it has only one direction to go, which is out. To affect others. That's what I want to look at today. I do want to look at the fact that it is a gift. It's the gift that grace is something that we can't buy, we can't build it, we can't manufacture it. You can't borrow somebody else's grace. Use it up, give it back. Okay? doesn't work that way. It is a gift. And the only path to this gift of grace is Jesus. Pure and simple. To understand and appreciate and fully accept God's heart for you, we have to accept that we were made in His own image because of His love for us. And because of that love, He gave His only Son to bridge that gap, to fulfill that void so that we could walk in relationship with Him. Everything God did from creation through resurrection and beyond was because of His heart for you. And all He wants is for us to come through to Jesus to get Him. Because when we see Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father, 
then we're able to receive and we're able to accept what he wants us to receive. And when we openly receive, the only thing the Holy Spirit's going to do is kick it out of us in a way to impact somebody else. And that's how grace works. And that's what we're going to look at. So with that said, let's jump into the first three verses of chapter 2. I'm going to be using the New King James Version. You may use whatever version you'd like, because at the end of the day, I will also offer up the Michaelation on this one, and we'll see if we can't get somewhere. So, uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. All right, I'm going to stop for a minute because I'm like, Paul, what are you doing? We just heard John set us up in chapter 1. Alan came in behind it. And all through chapter 1, what did we hear? How amazing the blessings are that God has in store for us. How wonderful God is to pull us from dead to alive. Yet here we are with all these blessings that we should so be excited about. And Paul's immediately throwing us back into a spot where we have to recall our life before grace. What's he doing? Why is he doing that? I mean, I don't know about you, some of us have some really good memories in our past life. And a lot of us have a lot of very, very painful memories of our past life. And sometimes when we get buried in those memories, including those painful ones, we can get stuck there. Oh, can we get stuck there. But see, there's a reason why we're being asked to live in that space for a minute. There's a reason why Paul wants us to go back to the moment, not before grace. He wants us to go back to the moment where grace first started. See, the Holy Spirit, this is, this is the fun part of this. Um, Dean and I did not talk beforehand, so um, he talked a lot about memory. Uh, I'm going to bring up John 14, 26 right now because it fits into why we're looking at the first three verses. John 14, 26 tells us, but the helper in the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in his name, he will teach you all things. And here's the most important part. This is how it fits into one through three. And 
bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus is speaking. The Holy Spirit's job is to use our memory to always bring us to a place of recall so we can remember where grace started in our life. We can remember what Jesus said over us. We can remember how Jesus maybe handled a certain situation. Everything our memory is designed to do is to help us recall what Jesus said. The key is, and the difficulty with the world is, is the world isn't interested in the recall. They want the residency. Oh, do we want to live there? How many times growing up did you hear that uh, that we love misery so much that misery actually loves company? Okay, did you ever learn that one? Billy Joel, in one of his most popular songs, The Piano Man, described everyone at the bar as sharing a drink they call loneliness. But it's better than drinking alone. See, that's the message the world wants. That's the message the world wants us to live in. That space where we used to, therefore we must be. Okay? That's not God's intent. If that was God's intent, I got bad news for you. We got to rename the church. Because if that was God's intent to live back in that space and never move from it, this church would have to be called Sinners Anonymous. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm a sinner. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Okay? That's where we would be stuck. But the Holy Spirit's message in bringing us in, these, these, in this space is for recall. It is not for residency. It's recall, not residency. If you are stuck in any way, shape, or form in the first three verses of your life, it is time to move to verse 4. It is time to embrace God's grace. Okay? It's okay to start there as a point of recall, but we're not living there. It's time to move forward. So we're going to go into verse 4 and 5. We'll pick up 4 and 5 right now. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. We're going to hold up right there. Because there's a lot to unpack in just those couple verses. See, even when we were in the first three verses of our life, God still loved us. We love because He first loved us, right? His love for us was and still is great and rich in mercy. And it's only because of this love and mercy through Christ, that we become alive. It's that richness. 
it's that it's that richness and it's because of Christ that we are now alive but verse 5 verse 5 is the one that I really want you to pay attention to is there any english teachers in the room is there any english teachers in the room good if you were in the room this was the moment in the sermon that I was going to make you look like a genius because I am going to step into trying to explain the English language. And trust me, my gifting, like a lot of you, is to botch the English language, not to explain it. But it's very important that we look at verse 5 because there's a statement in there that's also repeated in 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved. We really need to peek at that one for just a minute. Because my understanding is when you use the word have or has before a verb, an action, saved, you turn it into something called, and here comes the English language part, the perfect present perfect tense. The perfect tense of a phrase or perfect tense of a verb means that there was an action that happened somewhere in the past. Somewhere when grace started in our lives, we were saved. But when you say have been saved, what that indicates is that whatever that salvation was that happened in the past, it is still in motion and happening today. It's kind of like if I told you I spun a wheel, okay, you would think that eventually the wheel stopped. But if I say I have spun a wheel, I'm indicating that somewhere yesterday or, or somewhere in the past that wheel started spinning, but that wheel is still spinning today. Does that make any sense? Because if that makes sense, you're in good shape because we have to keep that in mind when we pull six and seven up because six and seven tells us because of God's grace what is still in motion okay uh, where are we at my grace is there we go so by grace we've been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. <sighs> I love this part. I love this part. This is where you can get excited about being a believer. When we chose to accept grace. When we chose to accept that salvation, something amazing happened, which was in verse 7. It took us from where we were, took us above this realm that Alan talked about last week, put us above it where Jesus is sitting. And if you can figure this out in your brain without it blowing up, you are still, even though we're down here, we are still seated in that same place with Jesus. Okay? 
That's kind of the what happened. The forward motion part is, is that we're still there. And we still have access every day to that space if we choose to occupy that same space with Jesus at that time. Why? Because of verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. See, this is, this is the, the, the neatest part of grace. God can do anything, right? He speaks a word, it can be done, correct? We were talking in our group about grace, and, we, and I, was, I was floored by this because if God wanted us to get it completely, all right now, we would be able to do that. I was told, well, you know, it's going to take all this time because we can't fathom it. But if God really wanted us to fathom it, it could happen, right? Can we, can we just buy into that what if? But this tells us that we're seated with Jesus from now into the ages to come so that all God can do is continually remind us how much he thinks we are it and we and how much he loves us and with each revelation that relationship goes into this deeper place and it continues to get deeper god could do it immediately but he's choosing he's deciding to take that long and i think it's because that's the way he wants to do it. It's not the way he has to do it. It's the way he wants to do it. And that's the amazing part of this perpetual motion of salvation is it puts us in to this daily access, this daily place where we can receive. And as we receive, it's being revealed to us even at a deeper level of just how much God really thinks of us, how much He really does love us. It is the reason why we cannot live in the first three verses of our life. That as believers, we have got to move out of that and move into this space of accepting what God thinks of even me and what He thinks about you. Because as I started this message, we all have a job to do. That job is we're supposed to take this thing called grace, this fondness that the Lord has for us, and send it out to be received by other people. We're actually supposed to steward this grace outward. And guess what? That's where the setup's at. First off, let's go to 8 and 9 real quick just to remind ourselves that grace, we are saved through faith, not of ourselves. There it is. It's a, it's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any of us should think that we can add to, edit, change, or alter God's grace for us because we can't. We can only openly receive it. And when we jump into 10... That's where we see the setup. 
Here comes the why we have to steward it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How many of you remember not too long ago, the world came up with a really amazing project. It was called Random Acts of Kindness. Y'all remember remember that battle cry that we should all just do a little bit more in the realm of random acts of kindness? Just reach out to somebody randomly just because no no preconceived notion, do something really cool for them. Okay? Not a bad concept. Matter of fact, I was kind of amazed thinking about it how the church loved that one. I mean, the, the corporate gathering of the church loved the notion of doing things randomly for somebody else. I love it. It's a great concept. The problem is, is according to verse 10, it's impossible. According to verse 10, random acts of kindness is impossible for a believer to get done. Now, don't get me wrong. We can display kindness. We can display the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace. We can help people find joy. But what we can't do is we cannot pull off random. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every opportunity that we are presented to steward the grace of God is an opportunity that God set up beforehand. He engineered it. He created it, and He put the wheels in motion for you to come into contact with somebody else that needs God's grace. And when it's your turn, when it's your opportunity, you're there to do that job. Set up in advance because you were God's choice as the best person for the job. And all you have to do is rely on your talents. Rely on your gifting. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to worry about it. According to verse 10, all we have to do is walk into it. We have to walk up to it. We have to walk into the opportunity. And with the Holy Spirit's help, hopefully we'll walk all the way through it. It's okay with me that random can't happen. Because that's God doesn't want us to think that that was an amazing coincidence. He doesn't want the Holy Spirit's activity in your life to be explained away as my family would say, as a quinky-dink. Okay? There is no such thing as a quinky-dink, a coincidence, a random act when it comes to stewarding God's grace. You know, we talk about how will I know 
if God's really doing this in my life, if this is the path I'm supposed to go on. How are we going to know? Give me a sign. Help me see. You know what? I think those are valid questions when you got some really super tough things going on. Okay, when you're walking through some life choices, some career decisions, or anything of that nature. But trust me, folks, when it comes to being a steward of the manifold grace of God, the opportunity is the sign. And all you got to do is step into it. All you got to do is to walk into it. God's fondness for you and me is beyond anything that we can comprehend. I can't explain it in 40 minutes any more than you can explain it in your entire lifetime. And we can't explain it and we can't fathom it because God wants to spend more time with us revealing each layer little by little so that we can experience it all throughout the ages. That's how amazing he thinks you are. That's how amazing, believe it or not, he thinks I am. Okay? And as believers, we have that daily access. We can choose to sit in that place with Jesus in access to constantly fill ourselves with God's grace. Because if we're not filling ourselves... If you don't accept it to begin with, you don't have anything to give out. And if we're not constantly refueling ourselves and accepting it, we can't constantly be giving it away. We are tasked with stewarding the manifold grace of God to willingly provide others the same grace God freely gives us. To make this happen, we're given these opportunities every single day to positively influence and positively affect others. Each day, the Holy Spirit brings us into, into realms, into spaces with other people, whether it's believers or non-believers. It doesn't matter. We're brought into these spaces for the purpose of sharing God's grace with somebody that needs it from us, through us. Every time we're invited to pray for somebody else, we're stewarding the manifold grace of God. Every time we give others, give to others without an expectation of return, we're stewarding the grace of God. Every time you are a good child to your parent, every time you're parenting your child, as a good father or mother, anytime you put your marriage in line with what God wants, you're stewarding His grace in every moment, in every circumstance. The message is one of perpetual motion. We cannot freely give what we don't freely and constantly receive. We are a vessel. And we are designed to steward that grace. The setup, believe it or not, is real. But because our Heavenly Father is that mastermind behind 
all that we encounter, every opportunity to steward His grace is in fact the perfect setup. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank You so much for just being able to stand in Your presence. To be able to walk in this realm where the most important thing for us is for You to show us how much You love us, how much You want to influence our hearts with that thing we call grace. So Lord, I just ask that, that we be a church body, that we be members that just want to receive openly, want to accept it daily, so that we have and we step into the opportunity to steward it to others. Every opportunity you give us. Thank you so much for every single person here, every believer, every non-believer. Thank you that we are your family and that we can walk into grace together. We can steward that grace to others together. And Lord, I just thank you for the many people that steward that grace to me when I need it most. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on Awaken Church Online. To learn more about the church, visit our website, awakenchurchmac.com. 